Today, we welcome a very special guest to the Ola Guapa podcast, Kayla Ariano. Kayla is not only a thrifting fashionista, an environmental educator, an outreach coordinator, a student, and a jewelry designer, but she is also my childhood friend from San Diego, California. Our conversation goes all over the place, from sustainability efforts in fashion then versus now, the importance of an inspired education, and creating a career path all your own based on passions and purpose. So if you're someone who's maybe just getting started on their creative journey or interested in how Kayla's worlds of arts and science meet, then this is the conversation for you. And with that, let's get into the episode. Hi, my name is Kayla Ariano. I live in Tacoma, Washington. Um, I am obsessed with sustainable clothing, specifically thrifting and secondhand. Um, My day job, I'm actually an environmental educator and an outreach uh, coordinator for a museum. um, And I specialize in environmental and science work. And I'm currently in school. And I also sometimes run a um, jewelry business. So. Amazing. Like that is so many things and so much. Yeah, exactly. So much to dive into there. Um, I guess I want to kind of go back to the beginning. Like when mm-hmm. did you realize that you were a creative person or how did it all start? Okay. So I feel like I want to, first of all, be like so transparent that like Nisha and I met. Yes. Oh my gosh. How did I not say this? Duh. Okay. Yes. Let's give a little context. And we went to like the worst middle school together (laughs) and probably had like way too much fun being, you know, like extroverted weirdos that were into like alt everything, you know, music style talking like everything that we did was just outside of the norm and I think that really like bonded us and like we shared a lot of friends um and so that kind of like started the yeah I I made you this crazy (laughs) weirdo (laughs) Um, yeah and just like embracing it and like being silly and like yeah you know and I and I love to see that contrast of like (laughs) And this is a total side tangent already, but you know how they see those videos of like choreographed dances and like all the 13 year olds like look super good. And then here we are like smeared makeup, like have no idea what we're doing. Just I know everything is so, is so bad and so good at the same time. And I, I think that really allowed me to have that self-expression because you're surrounded by those people that are like, yeah. It's so true. Like we found our group of people at such a young age that like it was like there was four or five of us that were all just like kind of like weird and eccentric in our own little ways, even, you know, even in middle school where I think like a lot of I'll just speak like to the girl. Like, I think a lot of the girls like at that time were like into Tiffany's and, you know, like this Mm -hmm. kind of like perfect girly girl image and like the push up bras from Victoria's Secret. And we wanted to like go grunge and dye our hair (laughs) in the bathroom, you know, during lunchtime and like totally. So that's (laughs) that's a great place to start. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, I, like, as I said, I I currently live in Tacoma, Washington. Um, There was that transformative period. I grew up in San Diego. Um, That is when I first started thrifting, um, which was in North Park um, back in the day, like literally in 2000, you know, and going and not really understanding like buying clothes, but knowing from my own personal like background that is what I could afford and that was right. kind of encouraged by my family as well yeah so I was like well how can I make this cool and not get made fun of you know for buying secondhand or buying used which was more of the term I feel like that was used um back in middle school and I think that really skyrocketed my love of vintage mm-hmm. and at about 13 I was like oh my gosh and I actually have my first vintage bag that I bought in North Park when I was 13 still. Oh and my God. It's like one of my favorites is actually two. And a- after that, it was just like, boom, or, you know, if we're going on a trip, like going to San Francisco, I, was like, I have to hit up the vintage stores. I want my, you know, winter formal dress to be like a 1960s, whatever. Totally. Oh my God. I was the exact same way. 
And I was like, I don't want to go to the mall. And I think that from that point on, it was just, there was no turning back there. There was no, there was no looking back. I didn't want to, it, it was too much fun. And, you know, the element of surprise and, and all that was, was yeah, it was just got me hooked. <laughs> it's so funny because now I feel like it's almost, I don't want to say like mainstream, but it's like very common and kind of like a cool thing to, to thrift. Um, or yeah. to buy secondhand and to be sustainably conscious. But at the time, however many years ago, it was definitely <laughs> like an act of rebellion. Yeah. Like our pair. I mean, I don't know about your parents, but mine were definitely like, wait, you're going to wear what? Like, <laughs> yeah. And and you're right, because it was all we could afford. And so mm-hmm. and, and it was an activity. Like you said, like you go into a thrift shop and like, what am I going to find? <laughs> right. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, like growing up, I'm an only child, but I had hand-me-downs. And Mm -hmm. so that kind of, that kind of influence, I guess, already was like, it's pretty destigmatized, at least in in my household, because it was like Mm -hmm. most of our things came from other people, you know, and and that sort of environment. And so I think just maybe subconsciously, it was instilled in me that like, that's okay. It's okay. You know, and there was no, (laughs) I don't want to say like hippie. Mm-hmm. to it of like reuse reduce recycle which yeah. is amazing but that wasn't really the mindset that my folks had you know at least not up front it was just this is convenient and this is good and it's totally usable and that's fine you know and maybe that was just not as defined in in that tagline but the lifestyle was still kind of present and I think that kind of helped me throughout my like thrifting, you know, style journey and to be like, yeah, this is totally okay. Yeah. And how do you take that and your love of thrift and vintage and kind of continue on your creative journey? Oh, well, I think more so now it has to do with kind of limiting myself to be totally honest because I I feel like I've been collecting for Mm -hmm. a really long time and I wouldn't necessarily call myself like a maximalist or anything Mm -hmm. like that in my style per se but I do have a lot of sentimental value tied Mm -hmm. towards items and I'll hold on to stuff for a really long time and one thing that I'm trying to work on is like every time I go to the thrift store, I bring a bag to donate, you know, at least things and try and cycle through that because it is the conflict of overconsumption and still buying sustainably, you know? So. Right. And then when you talk about like education, I know you're in school now. Mm -hmm. So kind of walk us through how, how, how it went for you. So Did you pursue a formal education when you graduated high school? Did you try, you know, kind of experimenting and exploring on your own? You also, as you mentioned, um, dabble in designing jewelry and these really funky over-the-top earrings that have a ton of personality too, which I'm sure are inspired by (laughs) your love of vintage and patterns and mixing and matching. So I kind of want to hear more about like, okay, so you fell in love with thrifting and vintage. And then how did that transpire into the rest of your journey? <laughs> so it's, it's, I'm going to try and condense it a little bit. because <laughs> I feel like it could go on for a while. Um, so I had, I actually had the choice. Um, my mom moved, moved up to Washington um, when I was 13 and my dad still currently lives in San Diego. So I was given the choice of where I wanted to go to high school um, which felt very empowering, um, for someone in my position. And I was presented with these really unique opportunities. So there was, um, Canyon Crest Academy in San Diego that had just like this great arts and, you know, this very cool program. Um, and then up here, there was a new school called Tacoma School of the Arts, and it was even more unique in in my perspective. So I technically went to a public school, um, but it was art based. Um, At the time, I started really getting into darkroom photography. um, And so that was my specialty in school was film and darkroom photography. I thought that I was going to be a photographer. 
<laughs> um, all throughout high school. And so I pursued that. I had a lot of really interesting career opportunities, um, interning at like REI Photo Studio. REI is based in Seattle, for those of you that don't know. Um, and getting to travel a lot through school. Um, and it was a very independent facility, which worked well for me as, as an individual. Um, after that, I did not want to go to college, like a four-year college. Mm -hmm. I knew that wasn't for me. I did not participate in any of those applications. Um, but I did want to go to a community college because I thought, why would I go into debt for something that I don't even know what I want to do? Right. Smart. And yeah, so I moved out like right after graduation um, to Seattle when I was 18. And I got this 400 square foot studio apartment. <laughs> I was just like all alone in Seattle. Um, and I got a job working at this like hip barber shop um, in Seattle. And I was going to community college full time and working part time and living alone. And that was very transformative for a lot of reasons. Um, I, it took me a long time to get my associates because I took lots of breaks to travel around, mm -hmm. um, which was perfect for me. And what uh, were you studying? What was your degree in? So it was just a general associates. Um, I started really leaning towards anthropology, okay. um, cultural anthropology, because I just thought it was so fascinating. And it was a world that had never been introduced to me as an art major. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, wow. And it kind of started my interest in science. So it sort of teetered me softly towards sciences. Um, I left the country for four years in 2012 um, and ended up traveling um, through New Zealand and Australia, uh, living in both countries for two years. And I was a permanent resident of Australia for a while. And then I dipped. <laughs> <laughs> I just left. <laughs> I realized it wasn't for me. It was really far away. Um, other reasons decided it wasn't going to work out in the long run. And I came back to Tacoma. Um, luckily, I had like a really strong core group of friends that were still here. So they helped me kind of get my feet back on the ground. Um, I went back to community college because I realized I was really interested in biology. Um, it was something that I was kind of pursuing on my own independently. Um, ended up going to the University of Washington in Tacoma campus. And in 2020, I graduated with a degree in environmental sustainability, which is like a pretty new-ish field. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then you're now an environmental educator. Correct. So yeah. I think what is so crazy about like your story and I think so fun to share is that it's untraditional. You took the road <laughs> less traveled. Um, but I think that so many times like we get so stuck following one path, one direction, mm -hmm. one route, like means to an end, right? College often feels like that. Exactly. Yeah. And you kind of did your own thing, but it, what it sounds like is you were like leveraging all of your experiences and like gravitating closer and closer towards what your passion was along the way. Like, did you discover your interest of, in biology when you were in Australia? <laughs> so no, um, a little, <laughs> I mean, like a little bit, but not entirely. So I um, have actually been scuba diving since I was 14. Okay. Um, it was something that my dad introduced me to. Um, he really instilled this love of travel and um, kind of like fully immersing yourself when, when traveling. And so he no pun intended. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, he took me to Indonesia when I was 14 and having never really traveled very much before that, it was just, oh, so that's how it's done. And like, oh, that's super normal mm -hmm. and not making anything, you know, outside of my realm of like reality. It was just like, this is other people's reality. Like mm -hmm. you just, you just accept that, you know, yeah. and um, not getting that culture shock, I guess is what I'm saying. And right. so that love of diving really just kind of like escalated over the years. 
And it was actually on a dive trip. Um, I decided to go on a solo adventure in New Zealand. And I met this woman who was a diver and a marine biologist. And she had this entire sea wall named after her because of all the work that she had done in the area. And she kind of like took me under her wing and we went diving together for a few days and like gave me these magnifying glasses and these flashlights. And we were much more dissecting the intricacies of, of the location that we were at rather than just kind of passing tourists through right. this area. And, mm -hmm. and it sparked to me that like, wow, this is so important and so fascinating and something that I wanted to learn more about. And so it kind of, it took a few years for me to honestly gain the confidence that I would be um, competent in science coming from an art background. I was never told that you could do both or that you could right. be skilled in both arts and science. Yeah. They're usually a posing yeah people are like passions right brain. I'm like yeah. no one brain <laughs> yeah that's so interesting and I think what what I was getting at is it might have seemed to like the outsider looking in like you were veering off path just based on traditional approach to what an education to career looks like but truthfully like by listening to yourself and by continuing to play that yes game and making these kind of decisions confidently about what you were what you were pursuing it led you right back to an education that was based yeah. in that 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 you know that was around that and like you said um you know that education or that course might not have existed when you first graduated high school so a little serendipitous too. <laughs> yeah, very much so. And I think it kind of gave me the confidence to pursue science more seriously as well. Um, I had a partner that wasn't, you know, super confident in my like abilities in terms of that. But I think it was really situational. Because if you're not given the tools or the opportunity, you know, to challenge yourself in things that you want to pursue, and you're just not going to do it, right? you know, and, and I think it's really important to like find that voice inside your, you, you know, inside yourself that says like, I am competent, and I can work really hard and succeed at things. And it's also okay to not be great at stuff. I'm terrible at math. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't go further in my academic career because of that. And that's fine because I'm really great at communication. And so like substituting one thing that you may not be so strong in doesn't mean that you're not capable of pursuing a career or, you know, a passion in something else. Yeah. And also like we have layers, like you can be dynamic. You can like have this kick-ass earring business and then also pursue a marine biology degree. Like you can do more than one thing. Like we're multifaceted people, yeah. you know, and that's cool too, to like not feel like, I think that there's this idea with artists or creatives that we're like, we start something and then like we go in a different direction and we're like, um, you know, maybe non-committal or more aloof or like less business minded. And I think that that's not true. It's just that, mm -hmm we're open to exploring maybe uh, many different avenues at the same time. Yeah. I want to totally learn, <laughs> I want to learn more about what it is that you do in your current role. I think not a lot of people might understand what that is and I'm super curious <laughs> about it. It's definitely a newer path for sure. Um, I'd, I'd say that it's trending a little, but I don't, want to use that phrase because okay. it means that it will go out at okay some point. and I and I have a lot of concerns about that because I think that it's really pivotal to a lot of school-aged kids so my position I work at a maritime museum okay. which is just like so bizarre <laughs> <laughs> um, but I work in the education department and so I work with K through 12 um, students and then also community members. So of all of all ages, um, we facilitate like programs throughout the school year. 
Um, and what I'm doing is doing a lot of um, like ecology education, environmental education, biology, marine biology, basic chemistry um, through hands-on activities. So it's ensuring that students get outside and perform scientific tests knowing that they can do that in you know in their career at some point if they choose to that mm-hmm. everybody is capable of doing science and that it's also really important you know to present those ideas to our youth mm-hmm. because it's one thing that wasn't really presented to me personally right and so i have a lot of passion with informing kids about how fun it is and how cool it is. And it, it doesn't have to be dull and it doesn't have to be, you know, what, whatever you imagine it, right? Like you can right. work in a lab and that's so great for so many people, or you can work in the field and take water quality testing and understand how good it is for salmon health or for our community health. And it's really expansive and just trying to introduce that is so important. And so I I really enjoy working with middle schoolers, um, which in the education field, you like elementary or high school, not quite a lot of people yeah. like working with middle school. <laughs> yeah. Probably just, you probably just like it because we were at our prime in middle school. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Exactly. And they're just, they're so goofy and so silly, but they also are coming, you know, their brains are developing in a way that they're coming into like these real world, you know, information systems and they, they want to talk about heavy topics. Bring it on. I I love that. Yeah. And I think it's so true what you're saying, because in, when I think about like my education in like a science class, it was very sterile. Like it was like, there was like pie charts and calculations. And like you said, if like, you're not somebody who's like, has a math oriented way of thinking that class sucks, but when you apply it to like a real world scenario, like you're talking about, you know, testing water quality or things that act that feel relatable and like, we can actually grasp Mm-hmm. what a cool way to introduce that and also like you mentioned as a middle schooler what a cool age to introduce that as because you're kind of opening the world of possibilities to to a career to a way of thinking um right. a way of approaching kind of their experience that they might not have known before yeah and that's one so one of our programs that we're running right now that i well there's two that i'm really passionate about but one that i think is just so important um So we work with a lot of fifth graders and seventh graders specifically. Um, And I actually started in this career in the pandemic, July, 2020. I got hired and it was kind of a whirlwind to get to where I am right now. Right. Um, But one of the goals for us was to bring every single public school seventh grader to our facility Um, We're right on the water and we work with a boat and we take the kids out on a research vessel for two hours and we do all sorts of testing and like plankton toes and we bring them back and we look at our samples and like examine our samples. And so we're working with over 1500 students just in seventh grade this year, um, as well as working with like all fifth graders so like wow cover thousands and thousands of students um and it really is amazing because one of our fifth grade programs they're going to be seventh graders this year and so when we started two years ago we're meeting them this year and so we're kind of staying in their like science you know academic science life Mm -hmm. and we want to be familiar you know welcoming faces in that like this is, you know, accessible and mm-hmm. you can come to us and we want to help you grow in your knowledge and your passion of like science. <laughs> so cool. Like, <laughs> I feel like anytime I left campus while I was in school, like was memorable for me. So yeah. I feel like, you know, your guys's <laughs> approach to almost like having that happen twice to the same place, mm-hmm. like how cool. And I think it'll be really interesting to see like how, how many of them, remember you remember the experience and then even like years down the road how how many of them end up coming 
back, you know, to pursue a career. <laughs> yeah. And we're, we're working with high school interns right now. And so kind of the, you know, long-term goal be like, wouldn't it be awesome if our fifth graders, you know, then they are si- like seventh graders and they go on our boat trip and then they're high schoolers that can intern with us. Yeah. And, you know, we keep this relationship with them for a while. And mm-hmm. um, it's really funny. My, my coworkers kind of make fun of me a lot because we create a lot of like online content for, mm-hmm. for the schools. And I was in all the videos. And so when we go to their classrooms or when we meet them in the field, they immediately recognize me. And I'm always like, it's because I'm a cartoon character, you know, like, well, you have this fabulous hair that I like, I'm in awe over. (laughs) Like, I cannot understand, like your hair is gorgeous. Like we need all the beauty tips. And I'm sure you're going to say that you do nothing. And that's just like, oh, no, no, no. This took like 45 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, your hair is insane. And your style is so cool, too, and so memorable and so unique. And so I think that, you know, you like we mentioned before, like you mix and match a lot of bold colors. You're very into bold accessories. So let me ask, was creating content for, um, you know, in your day job, kind of how you uh, transitioned into creating content and building your thrift account online as well as your jewelry business or were you doing those things simultaneously or how like you're you're doing a lot all at once right so I kind of want to understand like how does it all work behind the scenes (laughs) so I for fun like because of the collecting of clothes Right. Thought that it would be a really like fun experiment to start like my thrifting page. So I think it actually started like five or six years ago. And it like had its ups and downs and the classic blurry, you know, mirror pics. But I tried to be really consistent and kind of like hold myself accountable for like, I have a lot of shit and I should be, you know, using it and utilizing it. And I got lots of comments, like, you know, in the town that I live in, I'm like, what I was wearing. I was like, this will be fun. Um, and I think actually doing that gave me the confidence to create content for my work. So because cool. It was not necessarily something that I was always super comfortable with. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like being in front of the camera. So like having all that photography experience. Exactly. And- Um, You know, I was behind the camera and then I started to transition to be in front of it. And like, it gave me some opportunities to like do some modeling for sustainable businesses and local businesses. And that was just like a touch, which was really fun. But then I realized like, oh, this would be great in a way to communicate with kids, you know, and especially students that like either look like me or you know come from a background like me and wanted to show them like this is great and you know we don't have to be experts right off the bat you know right out of the gate we don't have to know everything it would be weird if we did or if we were right and like we can dress funny and also love to look at my you know look through my microscopes and like we yeah both things um and so that really helped me, I think, build the confidence to showcase that, like to youth, you know, is having that self-assured, um, you know, sense of self, I guess, in my, so, um, but the jewelry thing really stemmed, I think, like, right out of the pandemic, sort of, um, and I know that we're still in it, um, but when I was laid off and when I was going through job transitions and when school became fully online, my creative brain was just going stir crazy. And I was like, what's it, you know, what's accessible and, you know, low cost and something that I could wear because obviously wearing things is very important to me. (laughs) And so um, it just became this creative outlet that I was like, I want, and I wanted bigger earrings and I wanted colorful earrings and yeah. I wanted funky earrings so I was like why don't I just make these yeah <laughs> and so that kind of kept my creativity going as well also working in you know in sciences and going to school and being academic and everything being so structured you know and I needed that mental release and I needed that influx of of color and design and chaos yeah to- 
counterbalance all of my rigid yeah just room to play yeah exactly okay so what I love about this is like when you're leveraging all of your skill sets right to ultimately arrive where you have you're like not saying no to anything (laughs) and kind of kind of just like trusting your gut and I think that oftentimes I don't know. I, you know, I think it's, it it can seem so structured. Like we have to do it one way. And I love that you're sort of celebrating the fact that we don't, you know, and even just seeing how it fits together, looking back is so interesting because you were, you were getting closer and closer to your purpose all along. Mm -hmm. Did it feel like (laughs) that along the way? Or did you feel? (laughs) Yeah, no. Tell us a little bit about that. (laughs) Um, wow. So I, I really wanted to go into like more hard sciences and it was, you know, it was defeating to not, to put a lot of effort into like trying to be really good at chemistry and really good at math because like the joke is like, if you want to be a biologist, you might as well be a chemist. And if you want to be a chemist, you might as well be a mathematician. If you want to be a mathematician, you might as well be a physicist. And it's like, right. yes. well, I, you have to know all those things just to know this thing. And environmental science kind of gave me the in that I was mm-hmm. like, this is so much more hands-on and so much more in the field and experimental that it kind of allowed me the confidence to mm-hmm. be able to pursue it um, because otherwise I felt like I put up so many mental blocks, right. To myself that like, I can't do this. And still some, you know, oftentimes I get imposter syndrome. Like I, I don't work in STEM and you know, I'm not, I'm not like that. And it's like, well, I, I guess I, I kind of am, you know, yeah. one way or another. And yeah. it's, not, it's not as complex as some people may perceive, but I think it's still really important to be a person that allows the confidence for building blocks for like the youth. Right. That's kind of what I, that's how I see it as too, is like, you know, it might be hard living in a world where it's like in the artist community, like you're, they say you're a scientist and in the science community, they say you're an artist, but (laughs) truthfully you're paving the, the way and like showing you know, the younger generations that you can't have both. And here's just one way of doing it and being really bold and loud and kind of in your face about that is going to be memorable and you're going to leave an impression. And I think another thing that kind of stands out to me, like in your journey, and this is something that I've been noticing with a lot of these creative conversations too, is that you've always had a, a purpose and a mission. It you've just found different ways of executing on it, right? So your passion is around sustainability and really caring for the planet. And I think you have this exploratory um personality, but you've tried all these different things, whether it be photography, traveling, um, science, art, jewelry, like you're, you know, in order to pursue that. So that's that's one of the coolest things to me too, is like, you've always been consistent, but just (laughs) had different executions along the way. Yeah. Um, which I think is a really interesting transition into what I'm in school for now. Okay. Let's hear it. Um, so I, I thought it would be interesting on, on my Instagram. I did like a poll, um, kind of asking if people, you know, had been like paying attention um, to what I'm in school for. And I, I, I think I said like my teaching certificate, um, GIS certificate or a nonprofit management. And like more people thought I was going to get my teaching certificate, which I totally understand. Right. Cause like what I do, but I'm not actually a certified teacher. Um, and I actually have no desire to do that. <laughs> um, teachers are it, teachers, nurses, so underappreciated, so underpaid, so undervalued. I was just teaching in a school today and, you know, they need 10 times the help, the money and the resources that they're getting. Um, and I honor them and I respect them. And I'm I'm sorry to say I don't want to be in that world. And I think that's okay. And I think that's good for me to realize that I love teaching in the aspect that I do. 
which is semi-temporarily. Because um, you're passionate about the mission. Right, exactly. And and it involves me interacting with, with lots of students over the course of a year rather than a set group of students. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm actually in school to be a GIS um, tech, which is geographical information systems. Um, it's essentially spatial analysis and mapping. Um, so if you've ever used a web app that involves a map with some data points on it, Google Maps is one subsection um, of that, but it's very technical. Um, I was actually just at a city meeting um, to learn more about their departments and their GIS departments. Um, and it's it's definitely a heavy tech entity, but I'm personally trying to find the artistic communication side of it because I know that's what I thrive in and that's what I can really bring to the table. And so I'm already creating a potential position that doesn't exist I love <laughs> in it. my mind as my end goal. Yeah. So that's always been what I've been looking for while I'm in school. Um, is to sort of create this career, this job that potentially doesn't exist, but it's one of the fastest growing fields that's used in private and public sectors um, throughout the United States. So it's extremely valuable, in my opinion. And what would that career be? So, I mean, ideally for me, it would be something that's very stable. So I work in the nonprofit world right now. And for anybody that's worked in the nonprofit world, it can be very stressful because my whole job relies on grants and making sure that those are renewed. And if they're not, I'm out of work. There's just no way around it. And that can be kind of heartbreaking because you think that the work that you're doing is so valuable and so important that it shouldn't be an issue. Um, but it is because so many other people are doing so many wonderful things, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this is a way for me because there's a, a large environmental sector for GIS to continue working in either environmental education, environmental science, um, data analysis kind of aspect. But I would like to kind of pull away a little bit from the actual computer tech side because I'm much more of a I get I get you know all my energy from the communications with the people not the yeah yeah (laughs) really cool and I think that first of all like this there's like no better time than to tend to pave the way the road to your own career like right (laughs) and I love that you think about it because I think so many people think think about that like through a creative lens where you know we have so much access to education on the internet whether it be through like YouTube or kind of learning any like trade or skill that you would need to to know or be certified in but you've almost done it you've kind of like married the two of like a creative career path and more of this like formal education, but reverse engineered it. So you, you know, (laughs) figured out what your passion was and then, and then almost like created this odd route to educate yourself so that you were qualified for, for those roles. And I don't know that I've ever talked to anybody who's done it that way. (laughs) Yeah. I I definitely go around in different paths. (laughs) Yeah, it's super <laughs> cool. Um, is there anything that usually like what we like kind of like to leave the audience with is any any tips or tricks, any um like advice, anything that you wish you had done differently looking back? I'm sure that um, you know, many people listening to this episode are going to be hearing about some of these ideas for the first time. Um, and even kind of maybe opening and inspiring their mind to think about pursuing a passion of theirs that they hadn't before. So curious kind of what your advice would be. Wow. Well, I've never thought of myself as an advice giver. (laughs) (laughs) Mostly, mostly because personally, I don't like to give unwarranted advice. So that's like one of my, one of my own little mantras is, you know, if you ask for it, but, um, we're asking. No, we're asking. <laughs> <laughs> I I would say that investing in yourself and investing in in your future self 
is has become really important for me. And, you know, I, I think, so I'm, I'm also, I'm going to be 32 in, in like a few weeks. And for a lot of people, they are in their careers right now. And a lot of people are also transitioning and a lot of people are just starting out. And I think there are more people that are mixing it up at our ages um, than is perceived to be or the stigma around recreating, you know, your passions and refine, you know, re-educating yourself. And for me, so I, I grew up with the kind of the the push to be a road scholar as as my dad says and and that can be you know like learning while you're traveling or learning in new environments um but just kind of to keep moving and i think that sort of inspired me to be like this is something that i'm i'm good at and i've created you know this this experience and I I want to grow and I want to keep moving forward. And it's super scary. And it's really hard when you, you know, don't make a large salary and you invest all of, you know, a bunch of your money into going back to school or, or go, you know, trying out a new career. And I think kind of researching, you know, pathways or potential, you know, potential pathways in, in your job. But I really... I'm I'm pretty passionate about continuing education, whether that's, you know, on your own and just reading books and finding new topics of interest, or it's going back to school because I was a big proponent for a no academic side and, mm-hmm. you know, learning on your own. And I worked in the hospitality and restaurant industry, coffee industry for like 12 years. And I loved that, but I wanted to keep learning and I didn't want to be in that industry anymore. And so I think honing in too on your own skills and understanding your own skill set and how transferable you are is so important because a lot of people think like, and as I did, oh, I worked in coffee for eight years. So I'm just good at customer service and making coffee. And I have no transferable skills. And I was like, I'm sorry, that's total bullshit. Like, time management, interpersonal skills, you know, organizational skills, business skill, you know, I mean, like, there's so many facets that people don't utilize, and they, they put themselves down a notch, because I don't know, maybe they're, they're meant to think that way. But I just, I just don't believe that, you know, that you're not capable of trying new things and learning new skills. It's such a good point because I think so many people, I mean, at least like even people that I talk to, they feel like they're set in their thirties, right? Like they, and to your point, like, you know, (laughs) you look around you, at least this has been like my experience and everybody is engaged or married and starting families. And especially on social media, it, which is obviously a highlight reel, you can look at somebody's career and think, like, holy shit, but you might not see them like, holy shit, as in like, they have this perfect life, yeah, right? Exactly. But like, you might not see them like putting all their money back into education or taking a night course or, you know, whatever they need, whatever they're actually doing. And that was really the catalyst of starting all Guapa was it was right around the time when social media started booming. And I had just graduated college and I was looking at everybody's profiles on social media and every single post was like sold sold out of this sold out of that and I'm just starting and I'm like I can't get a damn sale like how are these how are you doing it so I started with you (laughs) right so I started reaching out to them to say like is there something you're doing that I'm not doing is there a marketing tool is there like who are who's hosting your website do you have SEO did you hire a person for that did you learn (laughs) that like all these things that are on the back end um and I figured if I was curious about those things and I had those questions, there might be other people who were curious about them too. So totally like what you're doing is so awesome. And I think talking about it and sharing this conversation is so important because you can literally transition your career, your path, your life. If you're not happy or if you want to pursue more at any age, yeah. you know, never settle for like what's right in front of you or for what 
the the how the road is currently paved like you can literally choose your own career path and then cr- create it yeah <laughs> like you I, said by I just staying in motion did. yeah and i think you bring up a really good point because about like you know running my business and trying to promote like my creations and my designs and all that it did get really disheartening like a lot of the time because you see other people that are like oh sold out in seconds and like you know waiting for the next restock and I was like shit I never sold out of anything you know yeah 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 (laughs) but for me I realized that the part of it that I really liked was doing markets and as as a person that really wants to connect with their people in their community and where I live is fairly on the small scale. So I'll see those people around, like, you know, I've run into numerous people outside of markets and for me, it's like to be able to show up and kind of like express myself in my style and in my jewelry and be like, Hey, and then the people that end up, you know, receiving it really well or enjoying it or purchasing from me or just having those conversations is the part that fuels the fire for me. It's, I extended my, you know, jewelry collection by creating all the pieces that I want to wear, which is great. And then the added bonus for me is, is having other people out in the world also enjoy them. But I think it's, it's okay to, to do that on the side. It's, it's not my main priority to, to get that going. And so I think it's really important to, if it is to watch for people that, that do. And like you were saying, you know, understanding where they're, you know, what they're doing for marketing and are they hiring out other people? And there's a secret window, you know, that everybody's hiding behind with mm-hmm. all their tips and tricks. And, you know, it's, it kind of sucks sometimes because yeah. you want to explore and you want, you want to engage with your customer base and you don't know how to do it and, and all of that. And I think for me, I had to realize that, that I was doing it just for me. And then that's okay. And then I had these personal added bonuses and that took a lot of the pressure off for me where I could just be myself and create what I wanted to create because at the end of the day, you know, it's, it's for my own brain. It's for my own sanity. It's for my own creative exploration. And, you know, it can be both. Like you can do it as your full time and you can do it as a part-time just for fun. And that's also just fine. (laughs) Well, I think what's important to note about it also is that at the end of the day, if you're starting an art business, it's still a business. And so a lot of the thing, a lot of the, it can be, it can be disheartening one, if you're not getting the traction and the momentum that you want to see right off the bat and trying to understand and learn why. Um, But secondly, I think even for me, like in the very beginning, when I was doing when I was doing it full time, it it created a desperate energy because my income was also reliant on it. And right. so I wasn't creating what I wanted to anymore or even focused on creating at all because I was so caught up in the business side of it and and making sales to generate an income. So there is this really beautiful thing, too, about having your creative passion be a side hustle that, again, you're not dependent on for your sole income. So it's fun when you get a sale because it's it's just like you mentioned, like a bonus, you know, it's just yeah. a little like cha-ching. You see you hear that <laughs> that Shopify tone on your <laughs> or whatever platform you're using. But when a sale comes in, it's really exciting versus like, oh, my God, OK, now I'm you know, I have this much more to make rent or this much more for whatever your financial goals are. And I I love that approach for creatives too. you know, to pursue a more stable route, also utilizing their their creative skill sets that maybe a lot of science careers don't have or people that are in sciences don't have that's a bonus there too but then having your creative hustle be on the side and really a place that you can just have fun and just explore and just play yeah and that that reminds me a lot you know when you when you stop creating for yourself kind of your voice and your vision is is disappearing and it bring it sucks that joy out for me mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, I'll make things like other people, you know, in my head, I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to be similar in that style because that's what they want. And I was like, oh, that's so not me. Mm-hmm. I don't want to create small, delicate pieces. I just don't have it in me. And I love them in certain aspects, you know, because of the style changing. But like, I don't want to make that, you yeah. know, and that's okay. 
And I think, yeah, it just, it all kind of goes back to like embracing your own personal style and wearing what you want to wear because it makes you confident and it, it enhances your own, you know, attributes and the things that make you feel good and brings about the, like your best self and like pure joy. Right. Like I, I don't ever want to be in a position where I have to like mute that. Well, you definitely haven't. <laughs> as oh, yeah, you, I get made fun of all the time at work. <laughs> as you are in bright yellow, um, you definitely haven't. And we love color. So <laughs> totally, I totally feel everything that you're saying. I think what you're doing is so amazing. Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. And I'm so excited that we get to share it with the Olaguapa community just because I truly think that what you're doing is so inspirational. And I know um, a lot of women in this community are going to be really inspired by hearing about your journey. Well, thank you. I know it was such an honor to be able to speak with you. And I love the community that you've built, the designs that you create, you know, everything, like I was saying, feels very authentically you. And I think that translates and is just such a great platform for people to feel accepted and welcome. And your designs really transform into that. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to the Ola Guapa podcast. I hope you gained as much value and inspiration from today's episode as I did. If you love what you heard, please make sure you rate and review this episode wherever you're listening. It really helps to spread episodes like this one to other creatives looking for their daily dose of inspiration, and I would be forever grateful. But before we go, make sure you head to olaguapa.com to discover my very own passion project, Guapa, a small batch, slow fashion line. Each piece from the collection is artist-made in San Diego, California, and designed to inspire your next creative adventure. Swim, sweat, street, or studio. With that, have a beautiful week, Wappas, and as always, sending you tons of inspiration and lots and lots of love.